All right. Hey, I want to welcome everybody here at North Garnett, as well as everybody out at Stone Canyon and Vertigris, everybody online. So good to have you all with us today. And uh, this is Valentine's Week. I just said that to remind you guys. That's the only reason why I said that. So... Um, public address announcement right there. But anyway, hey, um, we are coming up on um, uh, spring in, uh, here in Oklahoma. We got a little bit of taste of that, didn't we? It's been kind of nice the last couple of days. It's been awesome. Uh, one of the things I love about spring, right, especially around here, is that's kind of when uh, a lot of our Love 918 stuff really starts kicking back into gear. I mean, we got stuff, a few things happening throughout uh, the, the winter as far as uh, events and things, but really in the springs when it really takes off. One of the big things that we do in the spring is leading up to Easter, and it's our, our hood hunts. Uh, where we are uh, doing uh, uh, egg hunts in communities all around our campuses. Last year we did five. This year we're increasing to eight. And, uh, and so we're excited about uh, what's going to happen there. It's, you know, really the whole uh, focus of those is connecting with people in our community and be able to start relationships and, and uh, hopefully be able to uh, invite them to be a part of what God's doing here. And so, uh, and, and so one of the ways you can already be a part of this as we're preparing and planning for this is uh, at every campus uh, there are boxes of eggs, all right? At uh, Stone Canyon, they're out in your lobby. At Vertigris, they're right in the back of your auditorium. And then here at North Garnett, they're out in the middle of our gathering area, right in front of the hub. And so um, you can grab a box of eggs, take them home with you, and as a family or by yourself or with your life group, your class, whatever, take all those eggs and stuff them. Put the little candies in them and everything and get them ready, all right? And so we've got thousands of eggs that we've got to get ready. And so as a church together, we can make that happen. And so I want to encourage you to grab a box uh, as you're taking off today and, uh, and take those and get those uh, ready. And you do have to bring them back. That's important. We need those. We need the candy and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, we can all be a part of that and encourage you to, uh, to do that. All right? Hey, um, I'm sure a lot of you got to watch the big game last week, Super Bowl 51. What a crazy game that was when the Patriots came from behind. All odds were against them, and uh, they turned out uh, to be the victors in overtime. How crazy that was. Yeah, a few whistles there. I heard that. But uh, just go to show you, you know, it's not over until it is over. I, I always uh, love to think back whenever Jaden, my son, was playing football, elementary school, and FOR, future Owasso Rams, and, and uh, just thinking about the fun we had there. There was one particular season, I remember, it was kind of, uh, kind of a weird deal happened. We had um, a number of our players kept coming up with a very similar um, injury. Um, or issue, I'll just call it that, as uh, it just seemed like every week we were having another kid come and complaining about their feet hurting. Well, well, that's just weird, you know, and I just remember as coaches looking at, come on, kid, suck it up, you know, you can play through it. And we, we were thinking, man, is it the field we're practicing on? Is it their shoes? You know, we're trying to figure out, well, one of the kids, parents took him to the doctor and, and found out what they were dealing with was growing pains. Their feet Literally, the skeletal structure of their feet was not keeping up with the growth of their bodies. And when we were getting them out there on the field and we're practicing and doing things, it was, it was causing irritation and their feet were hurting because of that. And, and uh, we had players that were missing practice, missing games because of it. We're like, really? It's growing pains? You know, but uh, it was causing a lot of pain. Maybe you can remember when you went through or maybe your kids went through growing pains and, and all the issues and pain that they had to go through. Well, that was one thing we had to deal with that season. We were still victorious that year, by the way. But anyway, um, 
But you know what? Uh, it's not just a physical phenomenon, growing pains. Organizations, growing organizations, go through growing pains. When the infrastructure is not keeping up with the growth, whether it's financial growth, organizational growth, and having to keep up with just the infrastructure. How do we, how do we staff ahead? How do, we, how do we plan ahead so that as an organization we can keep growing? And there's, there's growing pains in that. There's difficulties that can come out of that for growing organizations. Churches are the same way. Growing churches deal with that. We've had to deal with that at times here at First Church. And, and the early church was no different. As they, in those early days, were seeing incredible growth, and they had to deal with some growing pains. They were on this incredible growth trajectory. Matter of fact, uh, Kenneth Scott Latterette, he's a uh, Yale history professor, uh, spoke about this when he said this, Never in so short a time has any other religious faith or any other set of ideas, religious, political, or economic, achieved so commanding a position in such an important culture. Never before has it happened that fast or ever happened like it did when the early church took off, when Christianity came on the scene. It exploded, and nothing like that had ever happened and has ever happened since. Maybe you can remember as we've been walking through the book of Acts, and, and you can remember back to the very beginning when, uh, of Acts when there was 120 disciples, and in one day, Pentecost, they moved, they blow up to 3,000 men, and then within days or weeks in there, you go to 5,000 men. And where we're at today over in Acts chapter 6 and 7, uh, the estimates is, is that there are somewhere around 10,000 people that have, have followed Christ, or have claimed to believe in Christ and the resurrection. 10,000 men and women that have become followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. And you have to remember, know this, that Jerusalem is estimated at the time to have around 40,000 people. So you have a fourth of the city has come to know Jesus. Wow! Do you think the religious leaders and others noticed? Oh, yeah, they did. They're like, what is going on? Our city is not the same. And we begin to see, and we've already seen some of the growth pains that were caused by that. Some people might ask the question, well, why was the church growing like it was so rapidly in those early days? And of course, we would say, God, <laughs> you know, it's his church. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to grow my church and nothing's going to stand against it. Not even the gates of hell will be able to stand against it. So, so he, of course, has grown his church. We talked about that uh, week two of the series that God equipped his people as he gave the Holy Spirit that they would become world changers. And we've seen that happen. So we obviously want to say, well, God's growing his church. But we can also look at, I believe, the early leaders, the apostles, as they led the church, were making wise decisions as they dealt with this rapid growth. I think we'll see that especially today. You see, we've, we've been seeing Satan be on the attack already. We've seen him go on the attack whenever, whenever religious leaders came against Peter and John, whenever they healed the, the crippled man, and, and they told him, please stop talking about Jesus. And, and then after that, you have an, had an internal conflict, an internal attack whenever you had the, the uh, Ananias who, who uh, withheld some of uh, what he was to give and, and this hypocrisy. And they overcame that. And then you had what we talked about last week when the authorities again came against Peter and John and, and this external attack. But this time it went a little further as they physically beat them and charged them. Do not talk about Jesus 
anymore. And you come to the end there, chapter 5, after they receive this beating, after they're let go, and it says there in the text, talking about the apostles, and they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. Wow, what an incredible attitude they could have. And you know the religious leaders watching them leaving with smiles on their face going, how do we deal with this? <laughs> you come to verse 42 there in Acts chapter 5, as it wraps up that scenario, it says this, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. It's very reminiscent of what they talked about uh, back in chapter 4 whenever they were told that they needed to be quiet about Jesus. And they said, we cannot stop talking about what we have seen and what we have heard. We've seen Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. We've heard him teach. We've, we've heard his commands. We're not going to be silent anymore. And they, no matter what comes against them, whatever attacks they face, they keep on proclaiming Jesus. But the attacks don't stop. They keep on coming. And we're going to find that there in Acts chapter 6. And the first attack we come across is a struggle once again on the inside. Another struggle that comes from the inside. Churches deal with internal struggles all the time. Anytime you have humans, <laughs> you have problems, right? <laughs> we have messes. I've said it around here. We're all a bunch of messes, right? Uh, we all are. And you put us together and, and we're going to have more messes. We, we just can't avoid it. Well, the early church was no different as they had their own internal struggles. And the first thing we see is that we identified the issue. Look at verse 1 there. They identified the issue. And that's kind of the first thing as leaders you have to do. You have to figure out what, what, is, what is the issue. Look at verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, again, the church is continuing to grow, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distributions. We get a little bit of a glimpse of what's happening here, and, and we, we've seen this in other glimpses that we've seen in the church and the early churches. They were meeting the needs of one another. And this is a moment where we see the needs are being met of the, the widows. They're being taken care of except for one group. You see, the Hellenists, the Hellenist Jews, felt like their widows were being neglected. Now, the Hellenists, they would be the Grecian Jews. They were, they were from the area of Greece, and they would be uh, culturally different than the Hebrew Jews who were from the area of Jerusalem and Palestine and, and that, that location. The Hellenist Jews would speak differently and have different uh, cultural ideas. And so sometimes it was known that the Hebrew Jews would look down on the other ones. Now, so what we're really dealing with, if you want to get down to it, is a racial issue in the church. So far, I think there's been two problems that have been identified, or what we can identify from the text. The first one is this. Those who are upset have made a judgment call. They have made a judgment about the motives of those who were meeting needs. They are saying they purposely have neglected our widows. They've made a judgment. Now, anytime we have that scenario happen in an organization or in a church where there's a judgment of motives, you have a disunity that's caused there. It destroys disunity. 
Now, the second problem is that they did not take this issue to the apostles. They didn't go to the leaders. It says there in the text that a complaint arose, kind of implying that there had been this complaining, this backbiting, this, this kind of fuming happening, and it's finally percolated up to the top that the apostles have found out, and now they are dealing with it. So instead of going to those who could do something about it, They've just kind of been griping to one another about it. And of course, this again causes disunity. It's a, it's a divisive spirit there. And divisiveness within a church or an organization is a cancer. More churches have died, have been killed over the years from divisiveness than probably anything else. That's what they're dealing with in the early church. And so, however this happened, this issue has made it to the apostles. And so the next thing we find is the solution. How do they handle this? What wisdom do we see in the apostles as they take action? Look at verse 2, and it says this, and the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, this is not a statement that is saying that serving the widows is not important. Uh, they're, not, they're not putting themselves on a pedestal. This is beneath us. We can't do this. But it is only stating the fact of what they have been called to as the apostles, as the leaders. Matter of fact, some would even believe that, that the apostles up to this time were directly responsible for making sure that those needs were being met and, and food was being dispersed to those who are in need, the widows and others who needed it. And that, that the church has now just grown to a place where, where there are too many, it has become too big, and now they are being forced now to, to do something different. And all they're saying is we've got to remain focused on what we've been called to. So what do they do? Look at verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, for the full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. You see, the apostles, I believe, take a wise step by appointing qualified leaders to be able to step in and help in the situation, take care of this 